Welcome to episode 28 of Paper Talk, a monthly series of podcast interviews featuring artists and professionals who are working in the field of hand papermaking. I'm Helen Hebert, and today I'm talking with Melissa J. Craig at her home and studio in Chicago. Melissa explains how her first artist's residency coincided with having just learned about papermaking, and how instead of lugging 400 books to the residency to create the type of work she had been making, she took just two books and some Kozo fiber and was able to cast lightweight paper-shaped books instead. We discuss a nomadic artistic life comprised of a period in which she traveled around the country doing residencies and teaching gigs, and we touch on one of her works, Sedition, that ended up going viral by being featured on This is Colossal. Hi, Melissa. How are you Hi, doing Ellen. on this thanks warm for, day yeah, in Chicago? Thanks for coming out in the heat. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. So, um, tell me your first memory of paper. Of paper? Yeah. Any kind any, of paper anything. at all? Yeah. Um, getting to draw on a giant newsprint pad that was about as big as I was when I, I must have been like two or three. Oh, okay. You know, very, you know, but just having, like, laying on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and being able to make these marks like on. this, yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. Wow. Okay. So, so it seems like art has been part of your life for a long time. Pretty much, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I've gone through a lot of different phases with it. Mm-hmm. I'm in a transition period now, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and paper, paper came late. Uh huh. But paper was like. Um, the heavens opening and uh-huh. the choir singing. <laughs> ah, so how did you, what what were you doing before that? I was working with artist books. Mm-hmm. I was actually, um, I was like fascinated with Icos. I was manipulating some of the paper. Okay. That, you know. Icos paper store. Yeah, um, it was a Japanese paper store. Yeah. And before I had moved to Chicago, well, I didn't know anything about Japanese paper. It was just a thing we called, you know, the misnomer rice paper. Right. And we'd run across it in really um, obscure places. There was a um, great art supply store where I lived. And I moved to Chicago, and somehow very early on went to Ico's. Oh. And it just fascinated me. Right. And I was doing the book binding, and they had little... They would sell all their scraps. Okay. You know, so if you wanted to make a small edition of a small book, you could get text cut. Uh-huh. And it could be uh, different type of Kozo papers. It right. was wonderful. Right, right. So where were you before Chicago? Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. That's Cleveland. where I grew up. Yeah. Okay, okay. And you got into artist books how? Um, I came here, I came to Chicago to... Um, get a degree, to to get a master's degree, but I didn't actually have a bachelor's degree, so I finished that off first. Uh-huh. And uh, um, I took a class called Book Concepts with Ray Martin at School of the Art Institute, uh-huh. and that kind of started this whole process. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I had been working in a great many different ways, and books were at first a way to consolidate that. Uh huh, uh huh. And then paper just took it the um, 
t- to the final tactile direction I needed uh-huh. it to go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So describe some of that work, like right when you were book turning, coming to paper. That happened in one single residency uh-huh. um, at Ragdale Foundation, and I still go there. Um, right. And it was actually my first residency anywhere, mm-hmm. and I had been um, starting to sculpt with altered books making. Like uh, I made this huge um, slice of a tree out of sliced books. Oh, okay. You know, it was it was about four foot right in diameter and um i wanted to continue in that direction i thought and then the studio was still my favorite studio in a place called the meadow studio it was back in the woods uh-huh and i could not i would have to cart you know like 400 books right <laughs> <laughs> and um i had been working the center for book and paper arts had just started okay and i took a class uh, like a weekend or week-long workshop with Nancy Vachon on uh, Japanese paper. And I was really fascinated with the bark before beading. Ah, uh-huh. And uh, so I took two pounds of kozo and some um, small round-back library books that I had. I wrapped the books in plastic and I started to cast the kozo around the books. Okay. And... To make like shells. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was marvelous. Uh-huh. It was wonderful. It was oh from uh the spine side if you lined them up, it was just like a medieval library. Right. And from the other side it was total chaos, you know, because I was right. taking uh-huh. the strands that way and breaking uh-huh. them and letting uh-huh. them do their thing. And uh that was it. I just never looked back. It just and at first it was all books. Mm-hmm. And uh, then later on, things started to just, uh, people just started to crawl away from the book form altogether, although sometimes they're like pages, mm-hmm. some of the installations mm-hmm. and things. So it's always been kind of the fiber itself before sheets for me, mm-hmm. although right. I, I do like a lot of weird things that can happen with sheets. Right. So in that... So that was your first workshop with Nancy in paper making? Yeah, I would I actually I started in a paper paper making class at School of the Art Institute. Okay. Um right when I first got here I and I was thirty six years old, thinking mm-hmm. about going back to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not sure I I wanted to do it and uh, The paper-making class just didn't do it for me. Uh I didn't get to the point where we actually had our hands on anything. Uh We met in the Playboy Mansion. Uh (laughs) And it was all kind of lecture, and I just thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh And uh, I think Andrea was in that first class, too. Yeah, Andrea Peterson. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that with Rick Hungerford, or? That was... Who was Yeah, it was Rick. I, I... we talked about it later, years later. Uh-huh. I showed with him and things. And, uh, All right. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of... I, I, he said it was one of his first classes ever. Right. You know, so... Yeah. But it just, uh, yeah, I just... Didn't resonate at that point. Didn't resonate, and I 
don't, I was looking for ways to not be attached to equipment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'd have stuck around, I might have learned about the Japanese paper. Right, right. So I'm curious, because you said you were, you gravitated toward the fiber and working with it before it was made into sheets. Yes. Whether that was part of the workshop or whether you just kind of went, you saw that and thought, oh, I could just work with that. Well, we had a, we ran a, I worked at the Center for Book and Paper Arts, mm -hmm. and we ran a benefit every year called Paper Dolls. Uh-huh. Uh, at least it was for maybe three years or something, and people would bring in their creations. And I saw Marilyn Swart had made Ms. Cozo. Huh. She had made this little doll. Okay. Out of, um, I think the body was unbeaten Cozo, and then she started to make like a skirt by pulling uh -huh. the thing apart. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. That was right around that time, too. Okay, was, okay. Yeah. I have to do that. Right. <laughs> you know, and the right. two things came together with the residency, and that was it. Yeah. And, you know, I did start to enjoy making sheets and everything. It took me a while to get to that point, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and And you ultimately, you have a beater and a whole... I haven't seen the studio yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in the basement, uh -huh. upstairs. Uh, yeah, I have a I have a, an ancient arena. Okay. Uh, it's bronze. You'll love it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, don't really don't really ha I have a press down there that doesn't work. Mm hmm. Um. Usually, if I'm making larger sheets, I just go get Paul and we stand uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> on the stack, and that's it. Right. And I have a little um, Grummer press for smaller sheets. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And uh, with some. I've got arthritis and some things now, and uh, so it's kind of hard for me to make larger sheets anymore right. to pull them. Right. You know, I can pour sure. them. Right. So mostly, you know, because the sheets are usually components of something else for me, it doesn't really matter what size they are, so mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. make a lot of small sheets mm -hmm. when I need it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll use it to, like, one project I'm still maintaining are these ears. Uh-huh. You know, and I'll use them to make... Um, Actually, I think I poured those sheets or a pole. There's a flex skin on the outside of the ears, and those uh -huh. are sheets. You know, so okay. it doesn't really right. matter what size they are because they're getting cast. Right. Uh, right. But I do have the beater. And yeah. I have a stack dryer uh -huh. that I built simply because I had the materials for a stack dryer sitting under the table, so I thought, well, why not make one under the table? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've used it more than I thought I would. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not usually interested in flat, flat right, things. Right, right, um, And so the, along the way, you've you've um, you teach, you have taught quite a bit, and you you've developed interesting techniques. I think working sculpturally with paper, just from what I've, I mean, we haven't met that many times, and I, I've seen your work online mostly, but it seems. Um, yeah, like you have some unique sculptural techniques. It's think, just mostly trial and error, yeah. and it has been, you know... Experimental, then, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and I think that's what, absolutely what keeps me... Right. ...interested on coming back, because I do need a lot of um, flux, change, flow, you know, mm -hmm. different things mm -hmm. to happen mm -hmm. with the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um... I'm not sure which is 
Yeah, I use stuffed armatures, you know, and that's not that unique. I think a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. I end up, I have variations in mine. I use a polyester fiber fill uh-huh. <laughs> and reuse it all the time. Right, uh, that makes sense. And, you know, I do a lot of dipped, uh, make wire sculptures and do some dipped things, and uh, that's not that unique. Um, okay. <laughs> maybe just scale. Uh-huh. Um, these things used to be, I've got some in storage trailers, six feet tall, you know, things like that. Right, um, right. And um, a, lot of, a lot of techniques I used came from traveling to residencies with no um, paper facility available. Right. So things that could travel and um, being in rural areas where... Uh, you know, I can't like run to carriage housing. <laughs> right. I've got to go to the local craft store and make things work. You know. Um, right. And and so, what was the impetus behind doing residencies, getting away, or studio space, time, all of those things? When I first my first residency was again at Ragdale, yeah, and uh, you know, it was adjunct. It was, and I'm just like. Audrey Niffenegger kept telling me about this place, mm-hmm. and I kept saying, you know, I have a healthily rough time paying for my own studio in the city. Right. Why would I go to the suburbs? And she said, just come for a visit. Uh-huh. And I did, and I got it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's total focus, right, on your work. Mm-hmm. And you're there with a community of people who are doing the same things in different media, so you really, you don't have to think about anything but your work. You don't have to think about going out to get food. Right. You know, it's it's luxury, but it's also just um, total concentration. And then after I moved here especially, it was space. Mm-hmm. You know, I still do, I go to Ragdale at least once a year because I can work on several things at once and have them all spread out, whereas well, my studios here are fairly small. Right, right. You know, and um, the space, and then when I was teaching, it was um, the quietness. You can have it as quiet as you want on a residency. You know, mm-hmm. Everybody else will respect it. Right. You know, and, you know, for me, teaching almost all hearing people all the time, <laughs> you know, it's always verbal communication. Right. right. It's just kind of a, it's a combination of those things. You can really just lose yourself, basically. Right. Right. And so how long, how much time do you spend there a year? Oh, I used to try to do three a year, so that would be... Usually a month each. Wow. Uh-huh. You know, and I mean, I would line them up, boom, you know, <laughs> graduation, yeah. boom, boom. And I would do residencies until uh, I had to be back again. for school. Right. You know. and Paul put up with that. He was pretty good about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. And now you said you're going again? I go once a year to Ragdale. The uh-huh. past couple of years, that's been it. Um Two years ago, I was having serious mobility issues, mm-hmm. and they have a um, they have a studio 
that's equipped for those sorts of um, things. Okay. Uh, although right. I did have a friend in a wheelchair who did point out a lot of ways that it needed to be upgraded, mm-hmm. but they listen. You know, and they're one of the few. There's some residency programs that have that, but a studio for people with just limited mobility, mm-hmm. and that worked mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm able to go. It's local. Right. If something happens here, or if I need to beat fiber, I can run run home. Right. I have done that. You know, uh, uh-huh. Just go there and see what direction the work decides to go in, and then come and beat the fiber for it. So. Right, right. And so, yeah, do you go to a residency with a plan, or is it fairly organic? I like it when it's organic. Uh-huh. Um, when I was teaching, again, it was almost always with a plan. It was always something that I was trying to get finished. Um, that that edition of 99 Mushroom Books, you know, yes. that took place on multiple residencies. Right. Although I did take one summer and just said I have to work on something else. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> um, so how long did that take? And that's called sedition. Tell us a little about the concept behind it and... Well, I was just wondering why people were not out screaming in the streets. It started that way. And I've you know, talked about it so many times. Yeah. And I don't. It's hard to say how long it took. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a two-week residency at a little place that I don't think exists anymore in uh, southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. And that was just to figure out if this was even a feasible idea, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, could I edition a sculptural book? Mm-hmm. And um, I had three identical ones when I left. I didn't, they didn't become part of the final piece because their color was a little off. Uh-huh. I didn't like it. Uh-huh. And I hadn't rinsed it enough, so there was some salt bloom on uh, uh, dyed paper. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think the first residency I built twenty seven, uh-huh. and then you know, and then just right. it pretty much had to be done in residencies, except for the last last batch was done here. I think there were the last thirty thirty or thirty six was done here. Okay, and a couple of people did come and help me make stems. Right at that point, but the at the for the rest of it, it was. Uh, it was just me. Right. <laughs> right. And um, I wouldn't focus on those books for the entire residency either. Mm-hmm. You know, but I would make some that would be part of the residency. Mm-hmm. But also just kind of respond to wherever I was. Mm-hmm. So that's what residencies can do. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I like that places like Women's Studio Workshop and a couple others now are doing things for parents. You know, right. child care is coming in to... Yeah. You know, I remember being in residence with uh, one very, very, very pregnant writer who was frantically trying to uh, finish her novel. Right. <laughs> before the birth. Hey, listeners. Let's take a little break here. And I want to let you know that the 2019 12 Months of Paper calendar will be available in early October. Join a DIY paper community and create fun and beautiful paper objects for your home or to give us gifts 
with this combination how-to book and calendar all in one. The calendar is filled with 12 fun paper projects for the whole family to create together. 12 months and 12 projects feature a list of materials and tools you'll need to complete the project, plus step-by-step photos and easy-to-follow instructions. An additional custom paper pack features a curated collection of decorative papers from around the world. No need to source your own supplies. Sign up for my mailing list at helenhebertstudio.com newsletter to make sure you find out when they start shipping. And I'll send you a paper weaving tutorial for signing up, too. You show in galleries and sell your work? <laughs> well, the two are not mutually, mutually inclusive. You know? right. um, yeah, I, I do have, I have actually a Chicago area gallery. It's called Zia. It's mm-hmm. actually up on the North Shore. It's a mm-hmm. fairly small place, but they do nice things. Like they've taken work to Art Miami and things that I would never do. So, right. Especially as a deaf person. You, uh-huh. That thought is just horrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so they've done things like that, and they've sold a bit. And um, Alicia Bailey has done mm-hmm. placed some yeah books in nice collections and a few right. things like that. But it's it's not. Um, I know you always ask how people make livings. I would never be able to survive on sales of work. Oh well, it's usually multiple, yeah, yeah. income streams. Yeah. Uh huh. Never, never, ever. Right. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> I don't know any... I don't only know a few people who actually survive on that artwork. Um, yeah. Brian Detmer, I think, is the one. Uh-huh. You know, his sales are enough. Right. Yeah, that's cool. It seems like you create groupings of pieces, and sometimes they ex- are exhibited in different ways. You plan to do that, or you you want to exhibit in different places? You just kind of have the forethought. You mean that I make things with a lot of components? In components, or, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of a natural way for me to work. Mm-hmm. But it's also it also suited the um, well, it suits the small studios for when I'm here right. to work in components. But it also um, meshed really well with that nomadic. Mm-hmm. Um, moving around to the residency programs, mm-hmm, things you know, to mm-hmm. make things in components. Um, but I do like that they're not restricted to right. uh, one configuration, or you know, I've shown one mushroom book. I've shown all ninety-nine only once, but then you know, eighty here and thirty-five here, you know, just whatever right. the gallery can take, and it's kind of nice that they can sort of get in and. I still say infest. Right, infest. Even though it has bad connotation. Well, and speaking of that, I meant to ask you about the the mushrooms going viral. How did that happen? Online they got... uh, I have no idea. Hyperallergic, was it? Oh, you don't even know? Uh, No, no, it wasn't hyperallergic. It was... This this is colossal. colossal. Yeah. And... See, at that... No, I didn't even have Google Alerts at that point, but I did. Okay. I forget who it is at the Green Chair Press in mm-hmm. California. Somebody yeah. did something on the mushroom books. Oh, like and a that blog. blog. Post. Uh-huh. Yeah, and their blog. I, I don't know if she had seen them. I don't even remember. And then 
I think it was two days later, I opened my inbox. I'm like, huge explosion, you know? And people are like, oh my God, how did you do that? Congratulations. I'm like, what did I do? Uh-huh. <laughs> and it took me several emails to get down and find out that um, it was this is colossal. Okay. That started it, and then it just went nuts. Wow. And I don't know if anything's come from it except for a little bit more visibility. I mean, and, oh, I went, I went to the Mac store once. Uh-huh. And... Um, was talking to the guy and he said, do you do the mushroom books? <laughs> uh-huh. I said, like, oh my God. <laughs> but Somebody it turned out he, he, he actually knew someone from Red Bill and actually uh-huh. knew about it that way and not right. about the viral way. So it was right. really funny. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, mostly just watching it go. Right, right. I did get a Google alert and when I did it, it was like 17th. Uh, trending on the internet or something. But no, no big um, contracts or offers (laughs) or anything. It was just fun. Yeah, that is fun. That is fun. It's fun to see it in other languages and see, Mm -hmm. you know, um, try to get people to translate or try to use the translators and see how it happens. Right. It's just. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. And it was nice that it was that piece, too. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and what are you working on now? Well, using up things, um, mm-hmm. I'm continuing the ear piece just at Ragdale, uh, the ear installation, because I'm not traveling anywhere. Um, Is that outside still? Yeah. Yeah, so you put ears on trees and basically, yeah, uh-huh. no announcement. Uh-huh. It's kind of the anti-art. You know, there's no opening, there's no announcement, there's no labels. It's just if you're paying attention, you might right. see them. Right. And um, before I stopped traveling in 2015, but before that, I put them around a lot of different places. I think they. Generally last about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the ragdown ones have lasted two. You know, it just depends on the weather. Right. And then my my um, smartness and where I installed them. I think I installed two in haystack, open trees twenty feet from the ocean, and I think they were in Florida. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> First storm, you know. So that was right. really smart, but they looked good for that. You know, so they last about a year. And then they just, they're cellulose. Right. They just yeah. melt into the earth. Yeah. Do you, do you get reports? Or did you get reports on them? You know? I have from some people. Yeah. I was at, I haven't, uh, I haven't been a very good webmaster this <laughs> past couple of years either. My website is way out of date. At one point, I wanted to try to do that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um... That's I think I think that's it's past it now. Right. right. So I'm just maintaining this one. Uh-huh. And uh and trying to um I do a lot of thinking of about what it means to work right now in mm-hmm. this period in our history. Mm-hmm. And what I particularly want to do. 
in that way, and uh, I've been a little stuck. Uh-huh. And then some of it is, um, oh, I spent six weeks when I was young. I had this whole other persona that was a cartoonist in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh-huh. And I have just sent her entire output to uh, an archive at Cleveland State, so oh, wow. the studio was taken up for about six weeks just going through stuff. Right. You know, they were I hadn't seen some of it in 20, 30 years in yeah. boxes. Wow, but you held on to it all this time. Uh, this yeah. was the very first house I lived in, mm-hmm. except for a short rental period. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I lived in warehouses, I lived in storefronts, and mm-hmm. you know, there's always right. places. So, yeah, I just carried them around with me. Yeah. It's three boxes. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. Right. So... Cool, cool. Um, and I like something I read that you wrote about uh, because of the hearing loss. I think you just are hyper aware of that we don't use our other senses, and I'd love to just hear you say that much better than me, and how that comes into your work. I think it's just that you do notice a lot more nuance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people's body language mm-hmm. and just um, facial expressions weird little things and sometimes people get uncomfortable because you're staring at them and you're lip reading and right. things like that but when I'm it's a big obligation when I'm with people who can hear to it, it almost always feels like the onus is on me to communicate with you rather than sometimes I get really pissed off when people just do not reciprocate no matter how many times I try to help that happen right you know so it, it's a work it is actually work yes um, particularly in huge groups you know sometimes it's impossible right um, like a meeting would be one thing because it would be relatively disciplined um, a class I'm running is different because I'm running it, you know. Um, but when there's free discussion or something, I'm lost, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I can't uh, follow around the room. Right. So it's this big, big obligation. And when I take the hearing aids off and walk around without that input, mm-hmm. um, it's more of a natural state to me, and it's, it's mm-hmm. just... You know, I don't know if I can put it in my words better than I did in that statement, but I'm noticing things in a way that I don't when I'm hooked into these microphones. Right. You know. right. Uh, it's kind of funny now because I am uh, wearing them a lot more because they it feeds into some of my balance issues. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, actually got worse balance when I put these things on, so I've been wearing them a lot more to just stay acclimated. Uh-huh, right. But um, I will never get up, give up taking them out and heading to the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, I suppose there's a way I feel a little more alive. Uh-huh. And It's just being able to connect on my own terms, I guess, or my mm-hmm. own abilities. Mm-hmm. 
that are there with and hearing isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Hearing's a job. It is a job, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, <laughs> I always thought I would uh, be deaf enough for a cochlear implant, and that would be my first uh, adventure into being a Borg, but it turns out it's going to be knees. Oh, your knees. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what technology and medicine can do today. Um, and And it sounds like you've really been... A city girl, but you found nature always. So is that in the city too, or is it going away? Um, is it like a daily? Well, for me, yeah. It did. Now it would be like walking around the alleys and uh-huh. you know, in my yard, sure. maintaining my yard and that kind of thing. But um. When I was in Cleveland, when I was growing up, when uh, that connection to nature started, it started in uh, like industrial wasteland kind of places. Mm-hmm. Nature growing through factory, right. broken down factories, uh, railroad tracks, um, um, growing in stom- in amongst like heaps of glass that was going to get recycled, mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, right. right. So it's it's a it's nature in a very odd, um, but very persistent way. So. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I have this um, pull towards it, but yet I've always lived in cities, mm-hmm. almost always. Mm-hmm. Little time in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. It's not. I think it's just uh, easier to exist in cities. Right. Find right. work. Okay, and let's just talk a little bit about your teaching, because we didn't really touch on that. So... Um, where have you taught? Well, you've taught freelance and also, you mentioned adjunct. That was at Columbia College. Yeah, I started teaching before I even got a degree or Mm -hmm. um, came to Chicago. Um, I taught in a certificate granting school and for a couple of um, non-credit places in Cleveland because um, you can teach in a certificate, you know, not a degree-granting school if you are a professional in the field, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I could do that. Right. Um, Started teaching pretty quickly, um, even while I was a student. Um, Things like life drawing would take Uh over from one of the instructors I was taking classes from, you know, if he had to go somewhere or um, substitute. Um, didn't start with the book arts until I graduated. And I did some student teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, the year I graduated, Barbara Metz at the old Artist Bookworks um, called and said, you know, I could hear on the phone then, <laughs> called and said, you know, I want you to come and teach bookbinding. And I uh-huh. said, what? Uh-huh. You know, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> and she said, but you're a weirdo with skills. Uh-huh. So I went and I taught um, basic bookbinding, and it was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. It was great. Uh-huh. And then I taught another class, and I thought, that was fun too, but, you know, two or three more, and then everybody who ever thought about making a book in Chicago will be finished with this. <laughs> and instead, we ended up with the Center for Book and Paper. Right. You know, and... 
I went from, I kind of, let's see, I taught at the Newberry Library, I taught at Artist Bookworks, I taught at a um, couple of high schools around, I taught mm -hmm. at Loyola, I taught at the School of the Art Institute, I taught at Columbia at one point, at almost all of those <laughs> during one week. Oh, wow. uh, and turned out the artist to a couple times, so I had not. I went over to Columbia when um, Artist Bookworks and Paper Press merged right. to become the center. Okay. And I was teaching at SAIC, and then I ended up um, teaching in the Columbia program and then helping to grow the MFA and stuff from the center itself. And, um, after I left Columbia, I just kind of traveled around for a bit to different art centers mm -hmm. and you know, had my summer road trips and um, Penland, um, Errolmont, um, Women's Studio Workshop a number of times. The um, Morgan. Hmm? The Morgan. Oh, yeah, the Morgan, definitely. I love the Morgan. Yeah. I love the Morgan so much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so I went around to places like that and then some others and... Um, 2015, I had to stop the end of the end of the teaching season. Right. That's when things start to get really weird. Right. You know, um, with with the health. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought it would. I was taking a year off, and then I got asked to teach a couple of places, but they were and they were beautiful places <laughs> that I love teaching at, but. They have a lot of stairs. And yeah. Do the stairs. Right. You know, right. I just, I just knew it wouldn't work. I can't really do the across country drives anymore either. So if I would take up teaching again, which I don't know if I'm going to do, mm -hmm. um, I would have to fly in. Do mm -hmm. things. I have to do very different than I did. Right. Right. And and you told me. We'll wrap up here shortly, but you told me when I, when I came in that you were getting some works done, or you finishing up. Is that for something? Oh, this yeah. There's a little show. Um, for a show. Uh, yeah, it's called it's um, Blink Gallery, in uh -huh. Michigan, okay. Michigan City. I'm sure Andrea's in it too. Um, yeah. Uh, Suzanne Cohen Lang's gallery. Oh yes, I've been there once. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So she's at their 10th anniversary, so oh. the show is 10 by 10 by 10. Oh, awesome. So it's kind of uh, sizes, but I, I like I like to, uh, you can put anything you want in Blink. That's great. Right. Uh -huh. uh -huh. <laughs> That's where I debuted the uh, flag piece. Oh, okay. Great. Well, thanks, Melissa. It's been great chatting with you. Okay. We may want to chat more on the paper studio. Yeah, sounds good. We can. Hey, paper friends. Did you know that I write a weekly blog called The Sunday Paper, featuring stories of people doing exciting, innovative, and beautiful things with paper? Sign up at helenhebertstudio.com slash blog. I'm also creating a lot of content over here, and the best way to stay up to date is to join my newsletter list, to learn about free tutorials, online classes, workshops, and the annual Redcliffe Paper Retreat, which pl takes place right here at Helen Hebert's studio. 
You can sign up at HelenHebertStudio.com to receive my e-newsletter. This wraps up our episode, and if you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review over on iTunes. This helps other people find out about the podcast. Special thanks to Gary A. Hansen for the sound editing and Peter Thomas for the music. Visit HelenHebertStudio.com and click on Paper Talk, where you can find out more about them, subscribe to the series via iTunes, and listen to other episodes and access all of the archived shows. I'll talk to you soon. Reason.